Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. The Dutch resistance movement during the Nazi occupation was bedeviled by treachery, betrayal, and poor organization and support from London. Despite these serious problems, it makes a significant contribution to the war effort, albeit at a terrible cost. This subject is thoroughly explored by Joss Schara in her new book, The Dutch Resistance Revealed, The Inside Storage, A Story of Courage and Betrayal. Joss will be speaking at the Holocaust Center on Wednesday, but she joins me now on the line. Joss, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, just you have written a book uh, on the Dutch resistance and now just very brief email conversation that we had. I learned that the Dutch resistance uh, was established to help the, the allied forces. Can you just explain the origins of the Dutch resistance movement? Okay. The Dutch resistance, of course, started quite slowly in Holland. Um, it didn't, it started in a small way in 1941, and they were very disorganized in the beginning. But as um, the years went on, they got stronger and they started getting funds from London. Now, they had two purposes. The main purpose of the funding that they received was to get shot down Allied um, air crew out of Holland and to safety in so they set up all these safe houses, set up all these escape routes. But of course, in the course of their work in, uh, in, in setting up all these safe houses, they also started helping the Jewish population. And they, and so they had, they had safe houses all over, especially in Amsterdam, where people were held. I mean, Anne Frank, for example, was one of the people whose family was in hiding um, in the Dutch resistance. And um, and so they had two tasks. A, they had to hide people, and then B, they had to get the Allied troops or the Allied aircrew that had come down in Holland, get them back to the UK. And those are the two tasks that they undertook. And once in the UK, what happened? Once they got to London, they were then taken into the Dutch government in exile. And if they were fit and ready, and, uh, they, were then, they were then taken back into Holland and parachuted back into Holland. Um, it was, um, some people did the, did the round trip about three times. Very dangerous. Because parachuting into Holland uh, was a very dangerous thing to do, you know, with, with the German army always on the lookout. Those were terrible, terrible times, Joss. And um, the, the uh, part of the resistance movement, obviously, was to kind of break the Nazi occupation as much as they could. What are kind of some of the things that they did that you think helped in the war? Some of the things that they did, what I would say, but the sheer numbers, it's quite interesting to know. I, I think I... Your, your question was a little bit fuzzy, but I think I know what you asked. Uh, what they did, what they really did, I mean, they, they became very big in the end. They, they, there were 200,000 workers and helpers in the Dutch resistance. That, that is an awful lot of people. And, um, uh, and, and, uh, they also had within their groups, they had groups like the CS6, which was an assassination group, and they went around 
blowing up German vehicles, blowing up German uh, buildings, um, doing all that dangerous stuff and assassinating wherever they could the senior German officials in that lived in Holland at the time. Um, I think we're going to take a break now, Joss. And after the break, I'd like to know from you the dangers that they experience and also your own personal um, relationship to the Dutch resistance movement. So we're just going to take a short break. Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I'm talking to Joss Schara, who has written the book. Yes. The Dutch Resistance Revealed, The Inside Story of Courage and Betrayal. Um, Joss, obviously those involved in the resistance put their own lives at risk and often it, um, often the worst happened. And you have a personal connection to that. And I wonder if you could just talk about both the risk and your personal connection to that. Okay, yes. Now, the, 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 the main focus of my story is, in fact, my late father-in-law, Henry Scherer. Um, Henry Scherer um, was a journalist worked in the Dutch resistance, and he was one uh, and uh, was was very involved in, in setting up escape routes, hiding people in his house, setting them out on the escape routes. And, of course, sadly, of course, like so many of these resistance people, he was uh, caught. He was caught with false papers. He was arrested, interrogated, and together with... 300 Dutch resistance men, they were executed at the Fucht concentration camp uh, by machine guns on the 6th of September 1944. So he, together with his associates and 300 other Dutch resistance people, were all executed at the same time by machine gun fire. So... Indeed, it was a very, very dangerous thing. And, of course, it was dangerous because they were collaborators. And you never knew who was going to betray you. Mm. So can we talk a little bit about that? Um when we think of the Dutch society, we think of Anne Frank, and you know, I think you mentioned like two hundred thousand Jews who were um, hidden during the war. Um, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that there was also a large—I well, don't know what percentage of the Dutch population who were collaborators, and it must have been a very fraught society. Um, okay, um, um, of, the, of the people that were um, that were arrested after the war give you an idea, of the people that were arrested in Holland by the Allied forces after the war, they arrested just under 200,000 collaborators, of which half were put on trial. Um, A few of the leading collaborators were executed, but most of them were released within a year. So that gives you an an idea of, of what they were up against in terms of people who collaborated with the German army. But the Dutch resistance themselves, about 20,000 of them were what you would call military active resistance people, fighters. They were a fighting force, and an undercover fighting force. There were there was 20,000 of those, and they were assisted by about, as I said earlier, about... 200,000 people who were called helpers. Hmm. And you went to Holland to do your research? 
Oh yes, yes. I went. I went there. It was quite. It was re- very, very interesting. And I, I met uh, various um, people who've written books. Uh, there are not many books on the subject, but I wrote. I did meet one or two other authors, authors who had written these books. And I also went to the uh, a very big newsseller who was an expert on the resistance. She was a Jewish guy who had the biggest collection of books on the Holocaust mm. in the world. And I got a lot of information from him. He was very helpful in my research. Um, to what extent has this research, in a way, changed your life, Joss? Well, it, it changed my life in that it brought me into contact with people from all over the world. I mean, every week, not, not a week goes by without me getting an email from Canada or Australia or from the United States. From someone who has read my book, who knows a little about the story, and who writes, who had written to me or emailed me to say they read the book, what a fantastic story it is, and to say how much, how, how exciting they found the book. Because it's all about, it's not just about the heroes, it's about the villains as well. There were some pretty nasty villains around that time. <laughs> and just, um, do you, are you still, Finding new stories of people who we didn't know before. Yes, yes tell me. <laughs> no, all the time, all the time. In fact, one of the characters in my book, um, I, wrote, I wrote a whole chapter about this man. His name was Michael, Michael Bottenheim. His son wrote to me, and his son actually, oh God, there's some, someone coming up. It doesn't look very kosher. Just hold on a second. Sure. Um, just was hoping to be in the studio, of course, but um, no, it's okay. he's, he's just he's driving. Right so we, we are. Um, if you need help, we'll send help, Joss. Sorry. <laughs> if you need <laughs> help, we'll send it. Anyhow, um, this, um, the, the, the son of one of the characters in my book sent me about 50 pages of additional information. Um, various other people who knew Henry Sharer have written about their experiences and have also sent me stories of, of, of how Henry helped them. And some of these stories I've never knew before. Hmm. I mean, they, 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 they all, every week something crops up and someone, some, someone sends me some information. That's absolutely fascinating. So I could write a whole new book. A new book. Write a complete new book. <laughs> well, well Joss, you will be talking about your book and I'm sure all the things you've discovered since then at the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center this Wednesday um, evening. Yeah. And I'm sure copies of the book will be sold there as well. Uh, uh, yes. Well, I don't have any more copies yet. People have to order the book from the publishers who are in London. Okay. It takes three weeks to get a copy. The book is has to be ordered from Pen and Sword. The company is called. The publishers are Pen and Sword. uk. If you go on the internet, they will come up immediately, and you just type in the copy, the title of my book. That you go to the Pen and Sword website. You type in the title of the book, The Dutch Resistance Revealed, up it comes, and then you click on buy. That's how it works. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure people would like to hear you speak on Wednesday, so I'll give the details for that. In the meantime, Joss, thank you so much for um, joining me, and just drive safely back. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, sorry I got lost. No, the problem. Radio no problem. No problem. It happens. Okay, thank Thanks, you. Joss. Thank you.